All right. Welcome to the Peyton Years, your home for Oregon State men's basketball, the only podcast in existence dedicated solely to Oregon State men's basketball. As always, I'm your host, Andy, and I'm here with my friend, Sam. Sam, how are you doing? I'm, I'm hanging in there, Andy. I think that's kind of the theme of late 2021 as we transition into a new year. Is, and, and it's going to be about a lot of new beginnings, thankfully, especially for Oregon State men's basketball. It's, it's hard to see something you love so much, struggle so much, but that's just kind of where we're at. It was an upsetting weekend, to say the least, but, um, you know, some encouraging signs, I think, as well yesterday. Yeah, I think there will always be a, a silver lining when Oregon State plays. That's just the beauty of being a small-town school with that small-town heart. You know, it's pure, and there's always good things when you're playing a pure brand of basketball. And we're going to get into all of it. But first, as always, from my phone, the Oregon State men's fight song. Take it in. When the, th- when the song is that good, you don't need to play it through some fancy microphone. The phone does just fine. It always sounds high def. At least in my ears, it does. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, so Oregon State is coming off, uh, and this is going to sound familiar um, if you've been listening this season, but back-to-back losses. <laughs> um, they now sit at 1-10. in 10. Tied for last place in the Pac-12, 0-2 in conference with the Ducks. So that's that's a silver lining right there. Is the Ducks are also tied for 12th with us, 0-2 in the conference. Tip your hat to that, Beaver fans. Um, Sam, what do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about the most recent game on Saturday, or do you want to start with the UC Davis game? I've got a lot more to say about Saturday's game. So let's let's do the UC Davis game first. It was, and, and there's not as many positives I think to pluck from that one either, frankly. Uh, yeah, there, but there are some, (laughs) uh, I can think of one instantly that I want to talk about, but yeah, Oregon state played UC Davis, um, the school that's famous for losing to the Academy of art by 19 points, a division two art universe, art school, um, beat them by 19 points earlier this season. They beat Oregon state 71 to 64 on Tuesday, Sam. I think we should just say it. Let's get the positive out of the way first, because I know we both want to mention it. The Sham God. Play of the, the year so far. Play of the, play of the year. Play of the century. If you're a Beaver fan, possibly play of the century. Right. And I know you. Some if you're going to go the pessimistic route, well, it's been a bad season. How many? There have been a lot of really great individual plays. Warwick's had some great dunks and block shots. Ahmad's had maybe even more. He's had mm-hmm. some candidates for dunk of the year, not just for the Beavers, like anywhere. So yeah, nationwide. We're not saying that lightly. This was a big, big deal. The 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 bucket brigade was a, a wash when it happened. It was a huge, huge thing. We all got a free boiler maker. It was magical. Yeah, the bucket brigade is the sketchy sports bar we watched the game at. And I will say this: that when um, Xavier Malonkey did the sham god and then hit the jumper, you had a visceral reaction. That made me nervous because I don't want to draw attention to us when we're in a bar <laughs> like that in that part of Portland. I don't want to draw a lot of attention. And you kind of freaked out. And that that's a true Beaver fan. 
That's a true Beaver fan. I I live in the area, and I want to feel comfortable there. I, I will also say I don't think we should watch the next game there. Shout it's out to little- Seth Allen, who did join us. We did have a fun evening despite the result and all that, and it's not a slight against the establishment in any way. I'm just no, saying maybe next time we pick a different place. Yeah, I think that's definitely uh, – got to switch it up until they win. Obviously, we're not finding the right uh, game situation at home. We're not adding that karma. And that is on us. Seth, Seth, you know, postulated that part of the reason for this losing streak is that it's our fault because we haven't stepped our our recording equipment game up. But and that's not what it is. That is incorrect. But yeah, what might be true is that we have not been switching it up enough. Yeah, take that theory and throw it in the trash. But I will accept maybe I haven't eaten enough orange Tootsie Pops. Maybe there needs to be candy corn involved. Maybe just orange slices. I don't know. But you look kind of crazy doing that stuff in a bar. True. But there are orange foods we probably haven't even tried before. And, and, you know, in a season like this, that's on us. Uh, Do you want to talk about the game at all? Seth kind of nailed it with his Ezra Majan prediction, who went off for his career-high 27 points. That guy is the Allen Iverson of the Big West. He was amazing. For like a 5'8 point guard, he was so fast. No one on the Beavers could stay in front of him. He pretty much did whatever he wanted all night. It's it's like all these Big West and other mid-major conference schools, it's not uncommon for them to have really good guards. and But the difference is they also had a big that was pretty good. I have no idea how they lost to, to Academy of Art. The, the, the little lefty, the other one with the weird-looking shot mm-hmm. that went in every time. I mean, yeah, their supporting cast did okay, and those two killed us. It just seems like every – mid-major school the Beavers play they have one or two guys that are like ahead above the rest of their team and they always have career games against the Beavers right now they do seem to the last two years you saw have seen a lot of career highs from like small school teams Portland State comes to mind the UP game last year comes to mind yeah there's been a lot of standouts even Samford this year Mm -hmm. oh yeah definitely yeah so hard to say it was a very bitter pill to swallow if you're an Oregon State fan because that UC Davis, that was, I think that's about as close to a guaranteed win as you thought going into the season, right? As you're supposed to have, yeah. I mean, right. right. When we looked at the preseason, UC Davis is one that you, that stood, stood out to you the least almost. Yeah. And that put the. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, it's just so tough right now. I was trying to look it up. So they're 1-10 in in their first 11 games. Is that the, I think that might be the worst start (laughs) in Oregon State history. It's worse than the uh, 95, or yeah, 95-96 Eddie Payne team that went 4-23. Okay, right. So they they front-loaded with, um... They had a cut, yeah, they had like three wins in their, yeah, they had three wins. They were 3-8. and Because even that team did win a conference game. It's it's just Jay John that has the donut. Right. And so I I remain confident that while it yeah, it is because even that Jay John team won some games early on before it yes. you know, all shit. I'm not um, a statistician and we've been accused of having not correct stats before, so this could easily be one of those, but I think this might actually be the worst start in the history of Oregon State basketball. And I, I remain confident that it's not going to be the worst finish, which is what matters more, but it, disappointing, obviously, nonetheless. 
And I remain confident that you remain confident. See, that's why we do this because you always know what to say. I'm confident in your confidence. Right. Well, it sets it. it I'm just I'm setting a tone, and and you're happy to follow it, which is all leaders need followers. You know exactly. You're kind of atlasing this whole thing. We've got the weight of Oregon State fandom on your back, and as long as you can hold it up there, I'm I'm right there with you. Right. And I ha we're going to get into later when we talk about the uh, the the A and M game, but right the. Oregon State's fan base is an interesting thing to me right now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, anything else? What do you else do you want to cover from the UC Davis game? I will say that it was this is the first time a positive you can take from this weekend if you're a fan of the team is that this is the first time you've had an Oregon State player um, lead a team in scoring two games in a row because Jared Lucas had 14 points against um uc davis i believe yeah 14 points so he led the team uh that night and then he followed it up with a huge explosion 25 against texas a&m so you're starting to see some more consistency out of him which i think is really big for building the offense yeah i mean it's 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 easy to like want more from him because nobody else is really scoring with any consistency or almost nobody else's but he he has looked a lot more like his regular self the last two games and he looked pretty good at, against UC Davis. There were a couple more looks that would have been huge if he could make, but when he's leading the team in scoring, it's hard to ask a lot more of them. Yeah. It does seem like he's getting more into a shooter's rhythm, something that, and I feel like historically he kind of starts off seasons a little slow and then finishes really strong. I think it usually takes him a little while to get into rhythm. And now it seems that like he's found it. Hopefully he just continues to build and build and he falls up to that preseason second team, all pack 12 prediction. He and he, I think he's adopting more of a, not even in a negative way, but a fuck it mindset. Like it's it's good for our team if he is shooting more threes, because the yeah, alternatives I mean, haven't been very effective, frankly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this team needs someone to step up on offense and be kind of the fulcrum of it. And who better to do that than the best shooter in the Pac-12? I mean, that seems logical to me. He, he has been the best shooter in the Pac-12. That is a title that no one is challenging, and, and it's certainly not going to – that discussion's not going to begin here. No, definitely not. Um, another player who played well was Deshaun Davis. He had 13 points, uh, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. He's second in the Pac-12 right now in assists per game. So that's impressive when you watch the Oregon State offense. You're like, it's kind of hard to get assists out there. So he's doing a good job. That's the other positive is that it, this is becoming kind of Deshaun's team to run and it might be at the expense of some other guys, but that, that is a good thing. They're part of a positive identity they're developing. He played 35 minutes against Texas A&M. So it does seem like he is kind of getting the reins handed over. Yeah. And he played 35 minutes against uh, UC Davis too. Him oh, and wow. Lucas led the team with uh, 35 apiece. They're really settling into the Lucas uh, Davis backcourt, which I think really well, because Deshaun is seems averse to shoot. Like he does, he really is a true pass first point guard. You didn't think it was going to be that way, just with the numbers he put up in JUCO and kind of you know he's got that New York City flair. But he he really is a pass first kind of John Stockton mold type point guard. So pairing him with Lucas, who's becoming more and more shoot first, not that he hasn't always been, is that's a good natural fit. I really do love Deshaun's game. He's a really good player, but I. I have been surprised. I'll say it. Yeah, how little he shoots. It it seems to it's to be like his plan B. He's he's definitely he's he's not only pass first. He's like pass first, second, and third. 
unless yeah. it's right at the rim. And that's not a bad thing at all. I think on last year's team, that would have been a fantastic guy to have, you know, even if they didn't have him have Ethan, but with this group, I would like him to adopt more of a scorer's mindset, even if he has some games where he misses a lot of shots right now. Yeah. Yeah, you'd like to see him be more aggressive because he's got the skills to – that's kind of the first thing that I thought when I saw he was second in the Pac-12 in assists. So it's like, Deshaun, you got to shoot more. Yeah. Yeah, and I think – I mean, we haven't seen the guy yet at Oregon State who put up like 38 a couple of times for Trinity Valley and in his highlight reels. We just bring the ball up and, and cast it like like Curry almost. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't seen that quite yet, but maybe he's still getting his feet wet. We'll see. Um, another uh, fan favorite, at least us, we're big fans of him, Xavier Malone-Key. This was probably his best game of the season so far versus UC Davis. He had nine points in ten minutes. So that's a great. Yeah, I I, I like what Xavier's bringing. I'm going to predict that he's going to start against Nichols State because he looked even better against Texas A&M. He's starting to look more comfortable and and confident, and he's he's kind of adverse to, to – giving teams a lot of charges, which is frustrating, but I love his mindset. Yeah, he, um, I don't know. I think he's kind of thriving in the chaos that is the offense right now because he came to Oregon State as kind of like a score. That was his That was his thing uh, from his, where was he, Fairleigh Dickinson? That was his previous yeah. college, right? He was a scorer, averaged 12 points a game there, could kind of get his own shot. And I think when the offense breaks down, he can kind of thrive in that because he can still go – and create one-on-one -on -one off the bounce. He's one of the few Oregon State players who can really do that and go into a jumper and have it look pretty good, a la the sham god into a jump shot. And he he gave a similar move in the Texas A&M game. He's got a very unorthodox handle that's pretty effective. He's fun to watch. I mean, yeah, he, Xavier, if he hasn't scored a 1,000 points, he's probably pretty close to it at this point. And, and so I am going to continue to push for Xavier to get more minutes. Yeah, he's looking better and better as the season goes on. Maybe another case of just kind of getting your feet wet in a new environment. So we'll see. Um, anything else you want to cover from the UC Davis game? Uh, once again, they were missing Kalu. And when Kalu or Silva isn't on the floor, they continue to look pretty small at times. I mean, Rand mm -hmm. and Warith both had nice moments, but it's just frustrating to be giving up offensive rebounds to teams like this. Yeah, well, we thought it was probably the toughest game of the season. He finished with three points, two rebounds in 33 minutes. Yeah, and in a game, and you obviously you need to have him out there when you don't have Kalu just for defensive reasons. And so, if they had had Kalu healthy, there's a better chance, obviously, that they win that game. Gianni Hunt wasn't there for personal reasons, um, and it wasn't COVID related. And we don't know anything other than that, so we won't speculate. But it is worth <laughs> mentioning. Yeah, and we should, before we move on, just to mention, this is probably maybe Ahmad Rand's best game. He had 12 and 10, a couple of good dunks, a couple of huge blocks, like typical, but just a, a little more consistent on the offensive end, and his first double-double as a beaver, so shout-out to him. Love, yeah, another guy that's that's making the adjustment. He he never lacked confidence, I'm I'm pretty sure. Uh, <laughs> that's That was never the issue with him, but he's looking more comfortable. He's always going to shoot that 18-footer when it's open, and I've I've resigned to just, you know, accepting that. I'm not going to let that stress me out because they're starting to go in a little bit. Yeah, it's – I wouldn't say it's 50-50, but it's creeping towards there. 
All right. Do you want to talk about the Texas A&M Oregon State game? So, do you want to talk about the actual basketball game first, or the the fact that it overlapped and and my feelings on that? First off, I just want to say, as an Oregon State fan of both football and basketball, but speaking as a football fan, it's it's just an honor to make the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. You know, we don't need to win it. It's just an honor to play in the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. No, like let's not lose sight of what's truly important, and that is getting drilled by the second place team in the mountain West while Jimmy Kimmel makes a whole bunch of money off of it. I just, I don't mean to diss the football team, but yeah, I, I've, I've got it. I've had my fill of Jimmy Kimmel for a lifetime and I didn't even watch that game with the sound on. <laughs> uh, do you want, how do you feel about the overlap? Do you have any more, anything else you want to say about it? I just like, it's total bullshit on, and I don't know who who to place my anger towards. I talked on Twitter about it a little bit. Shout outs to OSU Ben, friend of the pod, former guest. He's a legend. He said he called and asked about it a while ago, and the athletic department's answer was they would change it if they could, but they can't. And first of all, I don't, I mean, I believe that to be true, but it's not a very satisfying answer. And the fact that there wasn't, a formal explanation on the inst the social media accounts about it that that they just let it happen really fucking pisses me off and it's it's a bit of a slap in the face for people who both things are important to or actually important to and also this was a much more important game day for the basketball team than it was the football team yeah, I don't – I mean, playing in the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl pretty much sums up Oregon State football to me. Like, if I had to explain – if I had to explain the state of the program to somebody, I would just say they played in the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. And you'd say, okay. I'm going to stop myself from going on a tangent on the football <laughs> team. If you want to hear it somewhere, I you know, th this is not the place for it, for that. Obviously, disappointing day, kind of a humbling experience, frankly, but – I what is upsetting the reason we're talking about it is that it came at the expense of the basketball team and we talked about some of the things in Gill that are frustrating it's like we make an elite eight we'd like Gill to operate like an elite eight you know operation I guess and yeah, you'd like him to step up the class th allowing your basketball team to play an SEC opponent that's probably going to make the tournament and is very, very good in front of 220 people on a Saturday night strictly because your football team is playing in a third-tier bowl game at the same time and make no effort to make that a beneficial experience for both programs is Bush. It's very Bush League. It's I mean, very because... small town. It I and again, I, I don't know whose fault it is. I don't know who keeps them from rescheduling that to 2 p.m. as if Texas AM would have given a shit if they had found out two weeks ago that that game would have been at two instead of five. Yeah, I could go it's... on. They they caused Jesse Soa, the great Corvallis Gazette uh beat writer for the Oregon State uh athletics, does a great job with the basketball team. He said it was the first game he's missed, home game for OSU he's missed since starting to cover the Beavers in 2013. So you hate to see it. That is, yeah, I mean, <laughs> unacceptable is not a strong enough word, frankly. 
how how did you feel about the actual game? Because I I rewatched it afterwards after I'd seen the score, um, so I knew what was happening. So my heart wasn't super in it, and I got to say I'm kind of glad. Sure, because that the first half was it was it was an emotional one. Like you, it, I was inspired by the way they put all the shit aside, playing in an empty gym and all that. They seemed fired up. And they Lucas came out hot. Warith was his much better self, and they looked pretty good, I thought. But the way the exchange in like the last minute of the half, where Texas A and M went up, went from up two to seven, was yeah. very, very deflating. It was kind of a you know a, a big time blow, and uh, obviously they ran out of gas in the second half, but I was proud of the way they played in the last six minutes and getting it down to 10 and making it seem like it was a closer game than it kind of actually was. Yeah. They got a group together at the end that really fought hard and <clears throat> kind of reeled it back in a little bit. Cause it kind of ballooned like a 26, 24 point game there for a little bit in the second half when they were really putting it on them. And it was a combination of just, they hit shots. Like that was everyone on their team was going off. They had a player come off the bench to score 19. Like that's, I don't know, whenever you have an SEC opponent, so like that's a big time school. They've got Buzz Williams, that's a big time coach. And then you bring someone off the bench to score 19. That's going to be a good team. I, I, I apologize because I can't remember the name of the, the analyst that worked with Jordan Kent for that game, but you could tell that he was very familiar with both teams. He did a good job, but. <laughs> That you could tell that how like without ever seeing Texas A&M play that that guy doesn't do that normally because they were both like they had very little to say about him like he clearly <laughs> hadn't gone off like that on anybody which well, is typical. I think he's a freshman. I gotta look it up. Yeah, he was a freshman and he, yeah. he hadn't been playing a ton of minutes really. So this was his first performance like that, and he was gunning threes. Yeah, they're a really good team. Yeah, they are. I was a little um, – I mean, Marcus Williams, he scored early on. Marcus Williams, I was kind of looking for him to play better because he played for Wyoming last year and really took it to the Beavers. And I've always kept my eye on him because the guy who recruited Damian Lillard to Weber State is the same guy who got Marcus Williams to Wyoming. And he said that he's the next Damian Lillard. So I was kind of hoping he'd have a bigger game. But he really just kind of blended into the back. He his game he reminds me of Holland Woods a little bit. Oh. He's a little tall. I mean, but yeah, he seems to at least in that game. I mean, maybe I'm giving him too much credit, but it seemed like he had all his teammates playing really well, and so he just wasn't really looking for his shot as much, which True. is what you like to see in a point guard. Yeah, I think the main thing that jumped out to me in this game, obvious huge problem, turnovers. Oregon State had 20 turnovers. Texas A&M ends up with 16 or 14 more shots on the game. Plus they out-rebounded the Beavers 33 to 26. You just can't give a team that has that much firepower that many more shots and chances at scoring than you. Yeah, um, and it's it's going to continue to be a problem, I think, when they play really talented athletic teams. Like 33-26 rebounds doesn't kill you. But as, as bad as that is, but it does when you also turn the ball over 20 times. You're not beating anybody. You're going to beat teams way less talented than – or lose to teams, rather, way less talented than Texas A&M. Yeah, and there were just some bad turnovers. Like the one that always jump into my mind right now is um, Williams getting the rebound, dribbling down the floor, kind of a little bit in duress. He loses it like two feet away from the hoop. They get it back for an and-one layup. 
that happens in like three seconds, but that was kind of emblematic to me of kind of the hurried nature of Oregon State's play. I do feel like he has a game coming this year, hopefully a couple where he puts it together and he hits a few threes. And, and he's already had a couple of those. He's looked really good in certain games. He's just so streaky. He's had his moments in stretches, but yeah, he, but when he isn't in one of those stretches, his turnovers might be the most frustrating to me. Yeah. Xavier he's had some bad ones as well. A couple of Xavier's charges were like, really? I, he was planted there like three seconds before you got there, but I love the way he attacks. Yeah. Yeah. He's a high energy player and he makes high energy plays and high energy uh, turnovers. <laughs> right. I mean, and we, we should mention I, Gianni was on the bench for this game. He just didn't play. Right. Yeah. And so Xavier is kind of taking that role over from him as the, you know, very hot, uh, hot and cold type guy off the bench. Yeah, and he had nine points again. Ahmad Ran had another good game with 11 points, five rebounds. Uh, he's kind of been scoring more consistently than Morth, at least this last week, which you wouldn't think going into the season because we ran so much of the offense directly through him for the first three or four games through Alatisha, that is, not Rand. It was funny that, like, th- yeah, they were a little smaller than Texas A&M, but it, like, they protected the paint and, and rebounded just as well against them as they did against UC Davis. Like, Ahmad, he had, like, three or four blocked shots too, right? Yeah, he's a freak athlete. He's and he's volleyball spiking it. He's right up there with Eric Moreland for me for just most emphatic shot blocker Oregon State's had. At least in the last them, ten years. There was an exchange where they gave up an offensive rebound or two. I think he got a block shot in there too, and then he got a second one where he spiked it so hard that I think it was that freshman caught it like four feet behind the three point line. Like he had started yeah. running back on defense and just turned and switched to three, and that was early in the second half before it had gotten away from him. And it was just one of those stingers. Yeah. He always, or not always, but he does seem to be on the wrong end of these like really high energy plays that just swing so quickly. Cause he, yeah, he had that massive block that just literally flew out to 30 feet to the three point line, right to, um, I, maybe it was Williams. I can't remember who the player was, but yeah, they switched to three and it reminded me of when he had the free throw line dunk against Arizona and Arizona, Zona immediately within like two seconds whips the ball down and hits a transition three that kills the momentum. Well, it wasn't even clear who who was supposed to be guarding him. Let right, alone it happened so fast. Yeah. yeah. So he maybe he's got some karma to work out. Who knows? He is gonna. I I'm he is gonna put a dunk on a duck player that will be become part of Beaver basketball lore this year. Yeah, you got to believe that's happening. That's coming very soon. I know that deep in my bones. All right, do we want to talk a little bit about Nickel State, preview the Nickel State game? Uh, yeah, I mean, I hate to uh, to sound like Seth giving his preview of UC Davis, but we keep it we keep it real with Peyton Heads, and I I really like this Nickel State team. It's not who I would prefer be next on the schedule necessarily. I think it's going to be a good test. They can absolutely beat this team, but understand that their guard, Ty Gordon, is is really, really good. He's got a little bit of bonton to him. He shoots a ton, and no one seems to mind or stop him. And they're not small either. They have a big whose name I'm forgetting, but he looked really good to me against Wisconsin. He struggles to stay on the floor which is a good thing. You reminded me a little bit of Amari McRae from Portland State last year, who oh, yeah. 
if he could have stayed on the floor more, they probably would have beat the Beavers last year. Yeah, I think it's Nickel State is not the easy game that you would think just when you see the name Nickel State on the schedule. They're eight and four, second in their conference. And yeah, they're coming off a loss to Wisconsin, but it's a three point loss against a very good Wisconsin team. And they were up. And I shouldn't say that's the game they're coming off because then they blew out Missouri Valley. Um, the next game, but yeah, they've, they've got a lot of firepower on their team, big athletic, and it's kind of a revenge game. Cause this is the school that worth left. So I got to imagine there's an emotional tie in for him, right? That may have been part of the deal. Like, cause we, <laughs> you know, not to we get worth and we'll give you a game. Well, exactly. Kind of. We'll give you, we'll, and then we'll pay you $80,000 to get a road game on your schedule or whatever they're getting for this buy game. And now it's working out because they've got a terrific chance to win it. That said, they're not going to. We can announce it. It's official. Scheffler got back to me. We've got tickets at Will Call. We're going to be there. We're going to be able to, you know, besides them winning the game, another prediction I'm pretty confident making is that I'm going to have some beers in Corvallis that evening. That's 100% true. We're definitely not coming back that night. No, no. So come say hello to us. Hopefully we can get more than 220 damn people inside a gill even though it is on a tuesday it's an 8 p.m tip love that we're gonna have some time pre-game post-game i'm excited we're getting there early so you can get your uh <laughs> your gill dog not not get caught up in the halftime line right i mean i may even just work plan around it so the gill dog isn't the move at halftime <laughs> i was very hungry at that point in the <laughs> afternoon against princeton uh, but we'll have funny. to figure it out, yeah. But we're going to be there. I'm excited. It's going to be a good time. Me too. I'm, I'm excited to see the win streak start. Exactly. What like where? What better time for it than Tuesday night? We're bringing the noise. I'm going to bring that Jocelyn Ellie energy. I want to get close to getting teed up without actually doing it. I'm going to hold you back. I'm going to hold you back, Sam. Exactly. You know, I've got trust in those around me. No one's going to let it happen. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Any shout outs or closeouts on our way out? I wanted to shout out everybody that went to that game Saturday in Gill. I mean, everybody, everybody that went to L.A., I hope you had a great time. I assume that the game kind of hampered the experience because L.A. is a frustrating place to be at times. And um, <laughs> No, good for you. I mean, maybe you just don't give a shit about football and that's fine, but that – that was the right thing to do. I would. We watched it here in Portland. I we were busy, and unfortunately, or we would have been there. But um, yeah, good on you guys, Beaver Nation. Yeah, good on you, Beaver Nation. And I just want to shout out um, anyone who thinks about leaving us a like or a review. If you're listening to this, then you are a true Beaver fan. You are in the trenches with the team, and we appreciate you. And we want you. To appreciate us publicly on some form of platform, leave us a review, leave us a like. That'd be most excellent. Oh, shit. Yeah. I had one more I wanted to give. Um, shout oh, out yeah. to Curtis Everett. He's a, a funny dude. He's a comic in Salem, and he's a Peyton head. And um, okay. he is, he's been helping spread the word to some other comics. And he the, the, the personal review he gave me is that our podcast is genius, which he does not mean, but it was really nice of him to say that. So thank you, Curtis. Keep listening. Keep watching Beaver basketball. And if you're in Salem, go check out a Curtis Everett production. Go check out a yes. show. 
Seth and I, along with Shane Brendan in February, are, are going to be on his show in Independence, Oregon. So, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, I know. But it, yeah, you already knew that. I didn't even need to say that. Oh, my God. All right. Well, we, we got to get out of here on that note. I guess the only thing left to say is fuck the ducks. Fuck the ducks. Go bees forever. <laughs>